Hey, everybody, it's John, and thanks to everybody who helps us out every week by going to patreon.com slash steal this beer and throwing a couple of bucks our way so that we can mail beers to our guests and have some fun conversations resulting from that. So uh, if you're not already, go check it out. It's patreon.com slash steal this beer. Uh, as Cass says, a little bit goes a long way, and we appreciate the support. Now, here come the sirens. Steal This Beer, a candid weekly discussion about beer, over beer, by a couple of guys that think about beer way too much. Hey y'all, it's five o'clock on Monday and we are stealing beer. I am Augie Carton. Hello! I'm John Hall. How are you? Hello, John Hall. You sound like you're not in your normal basement. What basement are you in? I am. Uh, I am above ground today. I am. Oh, that's what it is. Spending... Somebody let you above ground? Yeah, the, the the sun's out. I mean, it's gray. It's overcast. It's an endless winter, but uh, <laughs> but 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 there's hope because I'm, you know, not necessarily breathing in asbestos tiles and you know mildew left over from Ida last uh, last September. So you know, I'm 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 feeling. I'm, I'm feeling blessed. You're feeling blessed. Blessed to be above ground and mildew free. Our standards have really changed since the beginning of 2020. Jesus Christ. That, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, good, good to hear you in such good cheers. It's um, nice to hear you in good cheer. Yeah, I'm in a good space. I had all such right. a full morning. Um, all right, so let's check in. Cass and Kennedy, you're both here this week. Yep. Yep. Cass, are you sticking around? I thought you were dropping us at some point. No, that was uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. All right, well, then let's jump right into introducing our accomplices du jour. We have Connor Brown and Patrick. Help me with this. Is it Bork? Uh, Bork. Bork. Dropping that K on the end, huh? Okay. Yep. I like it. And you guys are Offset Beer with an I company in Park City. Correct. So there's no way to avoid unpackaging the f- what it must be like to brew in Utah, considering all the rules. Since I live in Jersey, which has a lot of rules, but nothing like Utah, and it comes up here all the time. So I guess we'll dive right into there. But um, if I can try to frame it for you, since you guys have a diverse Utah background, I've spent a lot of time out in the Eden part of Utah um, and do a lot of drinking out there and have never really been bothered by the laws as they exist as much as all utah people seem to be bothered by their own laws (laughs) um you know what i mean because when i'm out there and i'm having draft beers i'm fine that they're under five percent whatever and i'm fine with taking a bottle out after but that's even some changed rules right things have recently changed for you guys can we start there with how bad it was and how bad it is now yeah, I mean, it's a small change. And with anything they give you, they take something away. It, uh, uh, you know, the, the draft laws used to say 4%. Uh, ABV was kind of the limit. And uh, they gave us a whole percent to work with, which is, it, it's not much. But honestly, it, 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 there's a lot of styles in that 4 to 5% range that kind of opened up a lot more proper brewing, in my opinion. Um, That's cool. But, uh, you know, in, in return, they... Uh, we have some of the strictest uh, 
DUI laws in the state. It's uh, in, the country, yeah. in the country, I'm sorry. Um, 0.08 is the rest of the country, 0.05 here. And, wow. and then also uh, ABV tolerance in Utah, or um, the tolerance of brewing is a little bit tighter where it's 0.3 um, in either direction um, stated on the label ABV in any other state, it's um, 0.18 here. So we have to brew um, our beers to 0 0.18 within uh, what we state on the label. Now, are they actually checking this? Do they show up and grab your bottles or is this just a threat? Because we all know we're supposed to say within 0.3 and blah, 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 blah. But, no one's been busted. No one's been busted. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, like we all know how we're doing those calculations. So even if somebody was like, "How did you dare go point four outside?" to be like, "Bro, like the math checks out. It's point three. Like, yeah. <laughs> did you cook it before you tested it? Yeah. Well, um, they have an Anton Par. The state, the state purchased a uh, Anton Par alkalizer to uh, to kind of make sure that everyone's in spec. But I don't, I don't know that they ever taught themselves how to use it. To be honest. Okay. So that all seems pretty, yeah, I get it. Um, what's funny, and I won't open this up to conversation for you guys, because you guys live out there, but one of the one of the interesting rabbit holes I've been living in for the last 24 months is what the Sacklers did to America with um, their drugs. And what's interesting as a kind of sociological and psychological study is how it ripped through the Mormon community in Utah because they had nothing that altered their senses in any way, except all of a sudden it was completely allowed for this doctor to give you some pain medicine that ripped through the community. Cause if a doctor gives it to you, it's okay. So your 4% beer is not okay for them, but <laughs> 80 milligram opioids are. And it's just, I've been reading a lot of, you know, sociological studies of that. So I wonder if they ever like, maybe we should loosen up on the lighter stuff and stop throwing people to the dogs of predatory prescribing, but neither here nor there. I just, it's in my head. Cause I've been literally living there. Anyway, let me ask you about the people of Utah. Cause like I said, I'm not joking. Utah people fucking hate their laws as far as I can tell. <laughs> and Everybody wants what they can't have. Are you right? Is that what it is? So you think it's just that, like, it's just because, you know, Jersey people hate our laws, but like I was never served a beer in Utah without some caveat from the server being like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, um, it's more interesting for us actually to, you know, deal with the people from out of town that don't, you know, they come in and they look at the menu and they're like, why is everything 5%? Like what, what is going on? You know? And it, it just, it takes, there's a fair amount of education that happens, but more for people from out of town actually than, than okay. It. But um, yeah, we kind of embrace it. I mean, we, we really enjoy brewing the 5% beers and uh, I think we do a pretty good job of it. So yeah. Is, is there any groundswell or is there anything that's being pushed to actually get on par with the rest of the country or is it just going to be these modest, you know, less than modest steps well, uh, for the foreseeable you know, future? The, the interesting thing is the, uh, the 1% ABV increase kind of ripped the brewing community apart. Uh, our brewers guild uh, uh, kind of disintegrated completely because of it. Um, a lot of brewers felt that uh, giving in to the 5% meant that uh, we wouldn't have um, more conversations about uh, raising the limit in the future. And three years later, I'm starting to think they might be right because um, I don't think anyone's pushing for anything anymore. I think they got their 1% and now everyone's kind of satisfied i guess for lack of a better term 
Another, the other weird thing is too, is if, if we had a full liquor license, we could actually serve higher than 5% beer here, but we have to put it in a can and open it for you. So we don't have that license, so we can sell it to go. But yeah, there's a lot of places that have the full liquor license. But again, it just, it needs to go into a can, which obviously there's, you know, all the waste, uh, you know, marketing Labor, considerations. Yeah. So with, with your guild being disintegrated, if you're looking for uh, for a new guild, I know a state that has one to spare. We have an extra. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. But, but believe it or not, for much the same reason you're talking about. So, so the discussion here became so I think there I think there's a nature of lobbyists. And if they actually did their job and fixed laws, they'd be out of business, right? So <laughs> all the all the lobbyists I've ever encountered are always like, well, let's take a small bite at the apple and come back for a big bite. If we try for too much, they'll always say no. And how this works out for lobbyists that I've experienced in different parts of my life is, oh, well, we took a small bite of the apple and they cut that in half. So now we're going to go back for the other half of that bite and then we'll try for more. And in New Jersey, one of the leaders of one of our guilds was from that background. So he saw everything that way. And there's a, there's a lot of sense to that, right? Because laws are always changing and there's so much to be worried about. So go for what you can accomplish. Um, and that work paid off in the change of some laws, but kind of understood in that lobbyist approach to changing the laws was this, and it sounds like what you guys are now going through, this, this you know, cordial agreement that we will all abide by this extension of the law. But the extension of the law threw 80 new players in, and those 80 new players were all of that kind of, if the law doesn't say I can't do it, then I can. And that interpretation around here led to a lot of trouble for a lot of people because it's not laws, right? It's interpreted by a bureau who doesn't answer to anybody. So like, no, you're illegal and you're illegal and you're doing the same thing. Um, so that's our thing. And that's how we got a split was the doesn't say we can't do it guild and the let's try to make it better guild and blah, blah, blah. Do you guys see that? fracture in the two types and is there any hope for it to come back or is it just like hey we got something let's wait 10 more years and ask again i think um i really think that someone's waiting for someone to kind of pick up the baton and run with it but there's just there's no one stepping up right now um i know the brewers guild had a lobbyist and with the disintegration of the brewers guild that lobbyist left so there's there's kind of no one advocating for um uh, kind of our laws right now in our behalf, unfortunately, um, just kind of got to wait to see who picks up that thing. I think the breweries that normally would be doing that kind of stuff, the big guys, um, they all just recently got, went through big purchases. Like one was monster energy and the other was, you know, uh, I forget the, the, some, some sort of distributor, but, uh, yeah, they might, they might have their hands completely tied with, with acquisitions and stuff. So who knows? Now, what about what about like attrition from Utah? So, John, who was the guy who started Utah who now identifies as a Colorado brewer whose big bed, whatever beer we were drinking out in Colorado was epic. so amazing. Who is it? Oh, epic. epic. Yeah, Dave Cole. Epic. So Dave Cole, so 
we're drinking with Dave Cole. Like I said, I, I was spending a lot of time out in Utah the last five years. So I was like, Dave, you know, I'd love to catch you. I always land in Salt Lake. I'd love to come by. And he's like, never there. Hate it. Worst state ever. Blah, 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 oh, blah, wow. blah. <laughs> had, to, had to move to Colorado to get anything I wanted to creatively. Everybody told me to get better. Never did. And he was, he was truly chapped by his experience of trying to do things in Salt Lake. So even though he still has his little brew house in Salt Lake, and I do stop there quite a bit to grab some cool bottles to take up the hill, he's, you know, he's taillights as far as his commitment to trying to make the world better. Have you seen that much in your community in the last decade of brewing out there? Or is that a one-off from somebody who was promised the world and didn't get it? I think it's probably a one-off. I feel like most most brewery owners and brewers in Utah are definitely trying to um, embrace embrace Utah and kind of work within its its funky laws and and they kind of almost take pride having to deal with the situation. Um, I'm sure there's there's a few other. I mean, I know like you know brewmasters and head brewers that have uh, tucked tail and run to another state, but as far as Kind of companies go, yeah. It, it, I think Epic might be, you know, their whole model was escape to Colorado. IPA was, I think, the first can they started selling back in Utah. Um, they were kind of proud to to ditch Utah. I think <laughs> that's that. Yeah, that's the feeling I got. But it really did feel like it was born completely of frustration. Like every time I'd say, "What about?" He'd be like, "No, this is where you know." No, they said, and then they did. It was really frustrating. Anyway, all right, so enough about them. We're talking about you guys anyway. I just wanted to check in and see if that was a trend based on that experience. All right, so what brings us together on Steel This Beer is a candid conversation of beer. What it is, not what we hoped it'd be. What it's doing, not what we thought it would do. Um, How it tastes, not how hard it was to get. To facilitate that, we drink blind out of opaque glasses. John and I have black-stemmed wine glasses and Uh. cans and cans foil wrapped by our man Kennedy and uh, shipped to us. And you guys, uh, Connor and Patrick, do you each have a beer? Are you splitting a beer? How's this working out there? We're splitting one. All right. And it's, uh, it is obfuscated with artisanal foil. And are you drinking out of some kind of, you know, tasting glass? Are you in a coffee mug or are you just in a beer pint? Went to uh, our local discount store this morning and bought some really inspirational black coffee mugs to. Oh, nice! Wow, yeah, nice! I like it. Looking was looking for a live, laugh, love, but uh, it was only in white. Couldn't find it in black, unfortunately. <laughs> so damn it! But I like the commitment. Thank you for thank you for method drinking with us. Yeah, I, um, I, I want to point out that one, I am without glass, so I'm drinking direct from the can. Uh, but two. Uh, Justin must be painting his new apartment because I don't have foil. Mine is wrapped. The can is actually wrapped in blue painter's tape. <laughs> I ran out of foil when I was packing. <laughs> so, but Justin, what no, color it, are you painting the living room? Uh, everything got painted white. So, oh, I wonder how you came up with that. <laughs> um, and is this it is is this the artisanal foil I was hearing so much about for so long? Or well, this looks well, it like depends. Not standard. This is Reynolds rap, buddy. Uh, uh, so, so hey, well, we've Cass, gone through phases talk early, though. We've gone through phases and, uh, and there was a couple weeks while Justin was moving where everything was coming in a product I was unaware existed, which is one side sticky bubble wrap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but but basically some days it's like he just took somebody else's tinfoil ball, drilled a hole in it, and stuck a can in. 
And some days it's beautifully artisanally wrapped. There was a point where Heather Burrell, a, a local maltster around here, sent us all beers and did such a nice job of wrapping that Kennedy was shamed into paying attention for like two and a half weeks. Oh, she did such a nice but, uh, job. Yeah, it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. so nice. But, uh, but what you're dealing with now seems to be some kind of industrial bullshit Anheuser-Busch foil. We're not in the craft world of foil. But... Um, but but we'll figure Funct- that out. Functional foil. It gets the job done. Oh yeah, it gets that job done. That 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 lemon org, lime job. Org foil. Done. All right. Speaking of loggers. <laughs> yeah. Speaking, speaking of, of loggers, getting the job done. Speaking of a logger that gets the job done, I the only impression I have about this beer, and I actually want you to pick this up, Paul, because I feel like you've been doing this part of beer thinking a lot longer than I have. I tasted this and I said, oh, that's some local craft brewer's lager. That's the only thought I had. Yep. Not, not I taste this hop, not I taste this small, not I taste this fermentation profile, not I taste these nuances, not the water's giving me. All this beer is giving me, oh, small guy lager. Small guy lager using local grain because it has that husky, uh, a little bit, you know, gritty grain uh you know, malt profile on the back. Um, you know, it's a, it comes on a little bit on front. Uh, it gets a little bit gritty uh, in the middle and then it finishes a little bit smooth with like a little bit of that residual huskiness. And yeah, this is one of those places where, you know, they, they have a lot of hazies, but the brewer really wants to make a lager and they put it on and, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's serviceable. It's a, it's a nice, you know, drinking lager. I'm looking out the window right now. I just sent everybody in the group a text uh, that we're now under a snow squall warning out here in the Poconos. So I'm watching the snow uh, vertically uh, pass by my window right now. And you uh, should, if you get a really bright light and shine it out the window, you can pretend you're going to hyperspace in Star Wars. <laughs> I'd love to do that. <laughs> Of course you do. Um, so this is not the right beer for for drinking in this weather. Um, I need one <laughs> no, of no, no. I don't. I yeah. don't want to be mean to this beer um, because there's no reason to be mean to it. But but so I'm interested, Kennedy. If you can, when we're done talking, and when the offset guys have got to talk about it, can you confirm or deny Hall's local grain thing? Don't tell me now. But at the end, I'm wondering because yeah, to I can me, what I yeah. what I what i tasted was inefficient kettle um and you guys are dancing around it but but i don't know that that's uh i don't know that that isn't just john when john said those words i was like oh that might even explain what i'm tasting better but when i tasted i was like "Eh, this could use a more thorough and evenly spread boil, if you will. Yeah. Offset, guys, I know that sounds mean, but I'm not being mean. I'm trying to describe what I'm tasting. What are you tasting? Uh, we we get a little phenol on the aroma. Do you guys get that at all? Of what? Just kind of like almost like a phenolic farmhouse funk. Uh, just slight hair, in my opinion. Um, Definitely, you know, it could be, I could be confusing it for kind of like this grassy malt. I definitely kind of get like a nice, soft, sweet, like Pilsner malt thing going on and a substantial amount of um, kind of a, a bitterness that lingers, but not in a harsh way. Um, I kind of agree. It's definitely a lager, but I don't think it's European in nature, but I am getting a hair of that kind of phenolic note for sure. So 
when you said that and I went deep in, I got what I would describe as kind of a Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, yeah. White wine. Aromatic profile, which I think is what you're describing as as huh. kind of generic phenol. But I hadn't smelled that originally, and now I can't unsmell it. Mm-hmm. And I'm rethinking everything I've said about this beer. If it's a Cezanne, <laughs> it's a very interesting yeast cho- uh, malt choice, right? Because it feels so pilsnery. Um, I just think it's somebody's local pilsner. Like, yeah, it has that. Do you, are you getting that whiny tone, or or as I mean, now that you guys have said it, yes, but um, but again, yeah. I think the initial when when the Utah guys were talking about you know not European, there there is something that is vaguely Pilsner Urkel uh, homage about it, like somebody trying Ooh. to there there's that the the more that I'm sipping on this, the grain is verging on like trying to be like that nice biscuity uh with a little bit of peppery to it that i really love out of urkel um and there's something i like your pepper Almost i definitely there. get your pepper yeah like a little how are how it's blanc maybe a whirlpool edition or something like that i don't know maybe that makes sense that could be it for sure that would cover everything i'm tasting anyway all right, so now you know, you guys have heard the show. Now we write a sentence. I think I would want to drink this in my own brew house and decide with my guys if this is amazing and evolutionary, the fact that every time you guys say something, I get something new, or if, I, or if it's just such a clean slate that I get to draw on it whatever I want, and if that's a good or bad thing. I feel like this would be a good thought experiment with my brewers what about you hall uh this would be i would want to drink this at the tap room and hear from the brewer what their intent was i'd like you know a little bit of the background of this but at the place where it was made and then making the decision based on that if i'm going to buy a four pack to go connor yeah i think it's it's sort of a, a i thought it was a pretty easy drinking beer but it definitely gets you thinking a little bit and uh yeah, it could be, I mean, this could be a perfect beer to drink on the lift or, uh, you know, at the end of the day, end of the day, ski in or, or yeah, in a tap room talking to the person who made it. Um, yeah, I yeah. think, uh, I think definitely drinking at the tap room, except, uh, maybe about 50 degrees warmer than it is right now here and outside. Yeah. Nice. Makes sense. All right. Kennedy, do your job for a so, change. This is from Brooklyn. This is, uh, from KCBC Brewing. This is their mm-hmm. rice rice lager, so it's made with rice, which I think is what you guys might be. That huskiness. That yeah. huskiness, yeah. So it's Pilsner malt and smooth, like rice, hollertail hops. Um, and yeah, Somebody it, nailed hollertower. Yeah, 4.9. Was, was that you, Patrick, or was that you, Connor? Which one? Connor. Nice work, Connor. No, uh, but it's middle fruit, though, not... Uh, not Blanc. Magnum not Blanc. Hollertail yeah. middle fruit, it's not Blanc. Uh, you put... Put middle fruit at Whirlpool and it tastes like blanc and fucking dry up. Hey, anyway. bit, of, bit of housekeeping. Kennedy, I'm not going to unwrap this thing, so somebody else needs to take a picture for yeah, Untapped. We got it. Okay. Are you afraid the squall will take the foil? No, it's just this This has nine levels of painter's tape oh, around the, the end the of it, tape, and I'm not. I understand. I understand. You know, I understand. I'm just one man. 
All right. So Patrick and Connor, um, once again, Kennedy gave me great notes, which essentially say Patrick brews and Connor skis. That's not um, true. <laughs> how do you we guys come? To, why don't we talk about you guys joining teams to start offset in Park City? And let's talk about Park City and it's well-heeled traveler nature. And if you're just selling beer to tourists or if the locals are your people, let's talk about all that part of what it means to be making less than 5% beers on draft for the ski set. Um, yeah, I kind of started this project, uh, I don't know, three or four years ago, uh, was a passionate home brewer kind of really jumped into the deep end of home brewing of, uh, yeah, a little further than I didn't start with a Mr. Beer kit. Let's put it that way. Uh, okay. and, uh, yeah, just was kind of obsessed and, I, yeah, I've worked in the ski industry for 23 years. I've been in sales. Um, I'm fortunate I get to be involved at a very like kind of global level from a product and brand standpoint. So, you know, I had a lot of that experience and kind of wanted to create my own brand and uh, was obsessed with brewing and saw kind of an opportunity, I thought, out here in Utah, especially in Park City for, yeah, to do something, to do something fun. Um, and uh, yeah, we... Signed the lease uh, November of 2020, and um, yet we opened the door September 10th. So we're, oh, we're wow. a grand total of five months old. That's so, great. How's it going? Really super, well. Super well. Yeah, really, really good. All right, right on. Um, um, I will what? point out though that two weeks ago, within two days of each other, uh, I heard from two different friends. Uh, that they were at the tap room having conversations with Connor and Patrick. Jason Garris, who listens to the show, was out there skiing uh, and sent me uh, detailed notes about everything that he was enjoying. And then two days later, of all people, Chris O'Leary, Mr. Brew York, New York himself, uh, was also out there skiing. And somehow my name, your name, our names came up. And really? So, yeah. So I, I took that as a sign for the universe. Um, that we should have these guys on the show. Oh, I like it. That makes yeah. total sense to me. So all John's saying is he's got some rich guy friends who ski <laughs> uh, and, and that you guys are the guys giving them beer. Um, good for your rich friends, John. That's neat. Um, Thanks. You're still at the so, top of the list, buddy. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I, I'm definitely not because I know who you call Fred, but, uh, but I like being somewhere on the list. Um, anyway, so, so let's get back. So, so Patrick, um, talk about your path to brewing with Connor at Park City because you were in Ogden. For those of you who don't know Ogden, Ogden's a cool ass fucking small town, but it is kind of. And Patrick, you're the guy who went from Vermont out there. Well, so I, I went from Vermont to here. Patrick's been in Utah. I'm in oh, Utah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Connor. Got you. So, but Connor, you know what I'm saying about Ogden, that it feels like a lot of Vermont towns and it feels like a lot of New England towns. It's kind of, you know, what I mean, it's not so it doesn't feel as Western as if it feels like, you know, oh, there's the movie theater. Oh, there's the bookstore. You know what I mean? And, and there's a couple streets with a couple things. And then residence is spreading out from there. Ogden is a little wild west for sure, though. I mean, it's, yeah. it's got I don't a... know. I, yeah, I'm, your perception of Ogden <laughs> might be a little different than our perception of Ogden, uh, potentially. So maybe. Uh, I like that. So true of most of the world in Augie, but yeah. <laughs> Ogden is a, uh, well, to, uh, to be clear, I, uh, this is Patrick. I live in uh, Salt Lake. I commuted to Ogden for a good year to help start a brewery up there. Wow. 
Um, but uh, yeah, that's what a 40 minute drive. That's a good drive. Yeah. It was like a 45 minute drive. I mean, my drive is pretty much the same now. Like I still commute from Salt Lake to park city, um, every day. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Ogden, Ogden is almost like this rough and tumble, like, uh, you know, like almost old wild west prostitution. Like that's kind of where the Mormons didn't have a stranglehold in Utah. Ogden, Ogden's a little wild still. I think it's kind of, it's kind of a little scary when the sun goes down. Yeah. Oh. You only want to be in a couple neighborhoods in Ogden when the sun goes down. Okay. I, I love Ogden. Um... <laughs> Don't get me wrong. After, after working there for a year, I have a newfound respect for it. Like I think it's definitely got some uniqueness compared to a lot of, Utah and it's come a long ways yeah. and it's come a long ways too. There's a lot. I will lot point out that that little books, that little bookstore did shell shotguns as well. So maybe, <laughs> I mean, all now the good ones I, do. Now that I think about it, I could definitely buy some tackle with my books. That sounds pretty Vermont um, though, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. like everything you're describing is a Vermont field of mirror, at least yeah. the real Vermont towns, not the ski towns. You know what I mean? Like, Okay. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a more New Hampshire feel. Um, oh yeah, hundred percent. More, more Manch Vegas than uh, than right on. right on. So let's let's talk about um, but let's talk about the move from brewing around, brewing around um Utah, Patrick. For for yeah, I mean you do you worked for you into for a bunch and then some smaller places and now you're doing your own thing. How how does that jump feel? Are you, are you how's that feeling? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. Like I I got, I cut my teeth on commissioning a lot of uh, brew houses and and breweries doing the small thing. And so by the time I was doing this with Connor, I kind of understood exactly what, um, what I kind of wanted out of a brewery and, you know, his, his vision aligned with mine. And um, ultimately the, what I struggled with, with a lot of the other little breweries was um, I wanted more control over uh, process and techniques and, and um and i wanted the the liquid in the glass to kind of be the best it could be and that that to come first and foremost and um connor kind of offered offered that up as his vision and invited me to join in with him and um yeah it's been great just taking it up and running with it and having uh you know a bunch of used equipment to be honest but it's a bunch of used equipment that allows us to do what we want to do such as you know we step mash absolutely every beer even if it's an ipa um RO water, uh, start off with complete blank slate and, um, you know, steam on a three and a half barrel brew house. It's kind of, wow. yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, and talk to me about this kind of, you know, so, so as a brewer, is all of your brew experience in Utah? Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, my, my first job was Epic Brewing to kind of bring okay. them back to the, and I lasted all the one years. in Salt Lake. Yeah. The one in Salt Lake. I, I spent about three, um, Three days there before moving to Uinta, and then you—you <laughs> you may be why he hates Salt Lake. Voluntary move, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was so. I spent most of my time in production at Uinta and uh, kind of lab tech, cellarman, brewer, and then head brewer. So um, I saw everything from the bottom all the way to the top of the management, um, and kind of saw you know everything they had to offer. So that gave me an idea how to apply any of that stuff to the small scale thing, you know? Interesting. Um, so, so I guess what I wanted to ask, and, and I, this is going to be hard because the way I see your task is as a, as one of those, like, you know, uh, Picasso in his blue phase, like 
with that 5% draft limitation, do you find yourself focusing on certain things you think work under 5% or do you find the, the artistic exp- explanation is how to make everything work under five? You know what I mean? Like, like how does that limitation affect your creativity? And, and then the second part of this question is, is some of these moves towards the much higher protein body type hazies making it easier to live without alcohol or harder? Um, you know, the only, the only stuff in our portfolio that we're really brewing under um, what it should be from an ABV standpoint is kind of our um, IPAs essentially having to come in at 5%. The, the rest of the stuff we do here, we, we really kind of enjoy making these low alcohol beers that are traditionally low alcohol. So it doesn't really hinder us too much. It's kind of an interesting target. You just end up aiming for that same number over and over again. But um, we invested in a little can line though. So honestly, like if we want to make a high point of anything, um, we, we have the capability. We just have to put it into cans. So we probably operate like most breweries anywhere. We just um, have a little more, uh, you know, low alcohol beers on our menu than, than the high point stuff to go. Yeah, lots of and lots of lagers, lots of lagers for a five month old. Yeah, uh, brewing <laughs> on a three and a half barrel brew house. That's for sure. Yeah. First brew's just coming out. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but so so explain because I think I think I knew this and I think I forgot. I think it it makes things more interesting. You can serve in your tasting room a can you filled as long as you open it if it's over five percent. You just can't I mean, have it in a mug over five percent. If we if we have the license, we do not have the license. We have oh called, okay. We have okay. what's called a tavern license, so we have to get a full liquor license. So, same, uh, yeah, same license to serve you a full glass of whiskey to serve you a five and a half percent beer. Yeah, totally makes total sense. I mean, yeah. you gotta you gotta you gotta be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's nobody. Long Island iced tea and a Sierra Nevada almost always cause the same amount of traffic accidents. Um, <laughs> well, when the people that don't drink make the rules, this is where we, this is where you end up. So fair. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's the entire experience. It's funny because around here we have even, you know, people in the system that don't drink because there's so much money to be made by knowing the system. I guess we should get to beer too. Um, <sighs> what are you, are you frustrated by beer too? Like me? Yeah. I'm frustrated on a lot of levels. Well, I mean, it's boozy as shit, um, and I'm having a tough time getting past that. Um, there's a little bit of that, you know. Not, I'm sorry. There's nothing little about this beer. Um, the the Venus nature is really coming through. Um, at first, I thought it was hops, but now I'm not really quite sure what's going on. Uh, if the hops are in there, they're almost like a little rubbery. Um, I was like, maybe this could be like a triple IPA, but then I was like, maybe this is somebody's interpretation of a triple or some, I, I, I'm, I have no idea where my mind is going with this particular beer. All right. So here's where mind is. I'm not, uh-huh. I don't, I don't, it's not hitting me as big as you are. I am more. So when I smelled it and all that, it's got a ton of fermentation profile, like so much so that I expected it to be a Saison or something. And what's weird about it in my head is it's dry as fuck. Like this thing is terminal near near zero. Like it is completely dry. But then this fruit juice wrinkle, I think is what's annoying you. And I think I was trying to figure out what hop they did it with. 
until I realized I think they gave it fruit juice and some kind of voracious ale yeast used that as a steroid, easy to digest fructose addition and went wicked phenolic and wicked, um, you know, that booze you're tasting. I don't think it's that high ABV, but I think the booze you're tasting is because of the fermentation profile. I just feel like somebody gave a very voracious yeast, some very easy sugar, and it all dried out to be like, like a carton of supermarket dull orange juice mixed stuff. You know what I mean? Okay. Is that fair? With a whole Cezanne fermentation profile. Sure. Boys. Connor, Patrick, what are you guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a feed. It, there's there's a lot of phenolic here. There's a lot of yeast character. Um, it's pretty bitter too. I don't know. We're both getting quite a bit of bitterness off of it. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm saying. The hops are in there, but they're not necessarily coming through in a in a like a you know floral or pleasant way. Like they're it's just sort of blunt bitterness. Is it's aggressive for sure. Yeah. Um, and there, I do get that rubberiness. There's, it's almost like the the wrong type of wrong type of phenolic. Um, there's a little bit of nice peppery note, but yeah, it kind of ventures into that rubbery rubbery area. I, mm, mm, mm. I don't know. I feel like so. If I was going to make what I think this beer recipe is, I would give the juice addition around the sixth day of fermentation. And I feel like this juice addition happened on the transfer. And I think everything you guys are describing comes from the yeast having, you know, like, like a hitting its, hitting its peak with a lot of fruit juice in the mix. And I think what you're left behind with is kind of like a pithy fruit zest kind of, you know what I mean? Like, Think about just a, a small glass of orange juice from a nondescript breakfast buffet. Isn't that the aftertaste you have in spite of, I, I have the rubber and the green pepper and all the things everybody's talking about, but do you know what I mean? Like it just ends up on like really dry orange juice from concentrate. Uh, I'm definitely getting that like, uh, you know, mixed, mixed fruit in a, in a milk carton kind of thing. Uh, yeah. You know and, what I mean? Like dull, yeah. dull, whatever, where it's orange plus. Yeah. That, that's with where calcium orange pineapple yeah with no no pulp because you don't want to piss off the children under eight <laughs> <laughs> um, um i don't right, know I think, i'm watching I think you guys drink this that's my sentence you're not drinking it john john has I don't john drain poured a beer i, I don't think know i, I didn't drain oh, john. come on john Oh, here, Justin, here. Justin wants me to be nice to these folks. Yeah, now. I think this is one of Justin's Justin, friends. Justin's like, this is this is one of my. <laughs> hey, friends. I, I got no skin in this game. I just picked the beers. Uh, I don't care if you guys like them or not. I'm changing my story. Do I love this beer? I can't <laughs> believe my neighbors made it. And <laughs> it is, this it is, is for my neighbors. Am, am I going to be writing my... a note saying, "Dear Mr. Grossman, I'm so sorry." <laughs> this is my new favorite. Uh, this is my new favorite. <laughs> Uh, cardboard box plus saison yeast. Yeah, um, let's do the reveal. It's from Beerstadt. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! No, please don't be from Beerstadt. I can't have her any matter at me. She's already trying to kill me with a whiskey bar. Well. Um, uh, um, 
gentlemen, where, so I don't think, so here's the thing, John, and this is probably just my own little, you know, masochistic tendency, but I think I put this on the side and keep ordering beers Mm -hmm. and keep checking it, but I don't let the bartender take it away. Every time they say you're done with that, go, not yet. Yeah. I want to see where this gets because I believe, you know what I mean? I just, I just want to see, I don't know, but I think I might is my problem with this beer. If I was going to live with it for a four hour session, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a point where I was like, John, 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 taste it again, taste it again. You know what I mean? But it could just stay right where it is, which is, like I said, it's, it's a, I don't know. It feels to me like it's a Saison that was given way too much food. Okay. Uh, Gentlemen, you, no, 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 no. The boys have to write their story. Where are they drinking it? Uh, uh, an American, um, an American brewery trying to be a Belgian brewery, maybe. All right. I like it. So you're drinking it at, uh, Noma gang. Oh, <laughs> that poor brewery, that poor, poor brewery. Noma gang. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty close. What, what, what they just said is pretty close. So this is, okay. This is Kennedy's like Kennedy's putting the fire out before we say any more words. <laughs> this is from our sorry sponsor. other half. Yeah. Sorry yeah. other half. <laughs> Not from other half. It's from Transmitter Brewing, which is also uh-huh. and we, we, we like those guys. It's actually the brewery that's closest to my apartment right now. So God damn it, I love Transmitter. Yeah. I really love these guys. The brewery closest to your apartment that you can visit right now? Uh, no, it's just in general. Okay. Yeah. All right. If I remember if I walk to a brewery, that's the closest one. So right. this is John. Their- if you look at your beers, you'll know he's recently moved. I, I'm well aware. <laughs> I moved eight blocks and I still live on the same street. On me, so. <laughs> Stupid <laughs> Brooklyn. Really um, but this is G3. They call it a golden ale. Traditional Trappist yeast combined with American right. hops give the beer a complex aroma, stone fruit, and citrus. Um, it is not boozy. It is about six percent alcohol. I'm tasting all six percent of that. Yeah. Is there no fruit juice addition? It doesn't no. say that there is. It's just they're saying that's all from hops. Yeah, and yeah. Oh. fermentation. All right. Wow. Our well, boy. that that that's kind of magic. I don't know. Um. All right. Good for them. Um. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. All right, moving on, slowly backing away from anything mean I said about transmitter. <laughs> there goes that uh, collaboration. <laughs> there goes that. God damn it. They, they, were, they were the guys I was most looking forward to can conditioning with back when I was trying to figure out can conditioning before a pandemic. Um, Did you figure so, Have you done that? Did you Have you figured that out? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do one every six weeks now. Yeah. Yep. I've just, I've been really leaning into my my need for pub beers. So we've been doing little ESBs and dryer stouts and dryer reds and all the beers that will definitely sink a brewery trying to make money (laughs) at a large scale. Um, And, you know, it's so far, it's definitely going exactly as I planned, which is the company's a little more broke, but I have beer I like to drink. Um, But yeah, it's all, it's all cast conditioned. What I like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I, I, what I like about the can conditioning move is there are four or five bars around the state of New Jersey that do have cask programs. 
And I've always wanted to keep them in the cask business because if some of us don't, they'll go away. But our brew, you know, our small tanks are 15s. So making 10 pins every six weeks is a very hard task. But being able to can 80 cases plus make 10 pins totally works. So that's that's why I'm leaning into it so heavily. We only sell them in the tasting room. What about you guys? Do you guys do any projects like that just because of the 5% nature of life? Because everything I've done that way is under four and a half. Or at least hope to one day since you guys are still yeah. relatively new. Yeah, very new. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the can conditioning thing is interesting. I think we definitely... Uh, try and embrace natural carbonation as much as possible. Um, trying to explore croisoning a little bit, really just get into the nitty gritty with some of the really technical lager brewing techniques. Um, uh, yeah. So I think it's definitely something yeah. rally. Well, keep us abreast of how it goes. And if I ever end up out in Park City, I'll definitely drop in on you. But I think I've severed ties with Utah for a while at this point. Um, oh, the last question I wanted to ask. So I was, so for the last six years, all the skiing I did, I did in your state. And this year I've come back to Vermont. Um, and the funny thing about skiing Vermont after a six year hiatus is when I'm on the chairlift and I see those lift cans you were mentioning early in the show, um, there are things like focal banger. Yeah. And I'm like, man, these guys have the best life because around me in Jersey, like if I was to go to the most local mountains, those cans would still be Miller Lite. But up in Vermont, they're focal bagger. What's what's the what's your favorite can that somebody accidentally let go of on the lift when you're riding over it besides your own? Obviously. What do you what do you see down there where you're like, oh, they're having a good time in Utah? Yeah. yeah, Park City, per se. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think they're drinking a lot of paps, to be honest. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, there's a lot of PBR. We're, I mean, we're here to change <laughs> that, but yeah. I think they're still drinking the PBR. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably not wrong. When I'm out there, more often than not, I'm drinking Sierra. Yep. Um, choice now. Yeah, when you got to, especially when you go to the liquor store and you got to buy everything is warm, it's always the best option because yeah. it's always the most stable. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, if I don't, so I can teach all, all of you traveler guys who go out to utah to ski that want some beers for the house before you make it to offset patagonia makes an 80 liter um backpack that perfectly fits 48 one pound cans and fits under the 50 pound limitation on your plane trip <laughs> so, so once you move all your ski gear out there you can take your one checked bag with 50 beers in it um without paying for extra weight so so do that but then once i'm out there if i didn't travel with beer i pretty much buy sierra so it's good to know you guys are there for an option i wish you were there when i was still there but but that's okay we'll figure it out um if they want to find you talk about the medias and so on uh offsetbeer.com b-i-e-r uh offset beer on instagram our website is pretty terrible be perfectly honest, I have a lot of things going on, and I'm the one in charge of that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mea culpa. <laughs> Mea culpa. Uh, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go to cartonbrewing.com. Um, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, Instagram is, yeah, definitely the most up to date. 
we're not on the Twitters. We might have a Facebook. I think Facebook just reflects the Instagram. Just yeah. go to Instagram. Yeah, That'll be the best Instagram. place to keep up. Yeah, try and find us. We are we're intentionally we are intentionally a little hard to find. So we, you know, we kind of it's a goal. The the goal was to kind of open a place for people that live here for locals and then you know, people that uh want to come to Park City and you know Google brewery or find a brewery to go to. So uh, it takes a little bit of effort to find us, but I think the reward is is there once you walk in the door. So right on, Cass. We, we like to say the same thing about this show too. People don't know where we are either, but you know, <laughs> if you'd like to learn about where we are, you know, that's stealthisbeer.com. Follow us at stealthisbeer on every fucking platform. I ain't gonna list them all out. You know what they are. Uh, write us letters. We we didn't even have a Pinterest. Uh, we, yeah, we, get, need letters, get, we yeah, we need letters. Steal this beer podcast at gmail.com. If you want to learn more about Utah law, we'd love to uh, explain it to you. <laughs> um, yeah, and Patreons, thank you so much. You know those those dollars do go a long way. We we appreciate those that donate. Um, helps us get these fine folks beers. Um, it did not pay for their black coffee mugs, unfortunately. So we'll settle up on that later, boys. Yeah. All That's, right. What's the best get nation? It. Donations. There it is. There he goes. There he goes. Let me talk. I had Yay. I had to think about that one. And remember, what's the next part? Don't have to be a Rockefeller to help a fella. All right, y'all. Um. We appreciate it. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for talking to us. Kennedy, interesting whiny beers from your Brooklyn neighborhood. I'm I'm intrigued as where we're going next. But I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna upshift um, to find out to good to to find out where we're going next, guys. You gotta listen next week. All yeah. right, y'all get at us. Cheers. <laughs>